Good evening, everyone. I hope you're doing well and uh, that you are having a wonderful, wonderful week. We are going to finish up our series that we've been covering uh, for the last few weeks, and that is uh, the big objections of Christianity. And in this series, we've been covering all the common uh, objections that you normally hear about when it comes to uh, the Christian faith and things of that nature. These can sometimes be doubts and concerns that Christians uh, have or things that are obstacles and hindrances to people who don't uh, believe in the Christian faith uh, in order for them to take a step um, towards Christ. Uh, some These are some of the things that can kind of stand in their way. And we've covered a number of things. We started off the series uh, by looking at um, the difference between real objections and fake objections or what I often called smoke screens. And these were things where real objections are things that are actually a, um, a doubt or a concern for people in, in their journey towards Christ. And these are things that we should address. These are things that we should discuss with them and walk with uh, people and help them understand and gain a, a better grasp on. But then there are also fake objections. And these are things that really aren't a hindrance to people growing in their faith or, or accepting Christianity. These are often things that people use either as a cover to distract from the real reasons why they don't believe in Christianity. Or maybe there are things that people tend to latch onto and, and use as a way to antagonize Christians or to uh, stir up dissension. And so those are things that we should not really focus on or give much attention to. And then we started looking at some of the, what these objections could be. We said in our second part uh, that there is the common objection of, is there really a God? How can we know that there's really a God? And with so many religions in the world today, how can we know that the God of Christianity is the one true and only God. And then we also looked in part three about why does God allow evil to exist? If he's a good God, if he's all powerful and he's all loving, why does he continue to allow evil and horrible things to exist in the world? And then we saw in part four uh, that Christ, uh, sometimes people make the statement that Christianity is full of just a bunch of hypocrites, that they say one thing and then do another, uh, or that uh, it's just a bunch of spiritual cliches, but people really don't believe it. And so we took a look at that. And then last week, we look at, looked at unanswered prayers. I hope that throughout this series, this has kind of helped you work through some of the objections or doubts or concerns that you have, whether you're a believer or unbeliever. And I know that there are probably many more that we could have covered that we didn't cover. And that's just because uh, we could go on uh, forever and ever looking at these various things. But I hope this has given you at least uh, some good handles on some of the most common objections that seem to surface in these types of conversations. Now, as we close out the series, we are now going to look at uh, the last, but again, a, a very prevalent objection to Christianity or something that weighs heavily, especially on unbelievers, but it can crop up in the lives of believers from time to time, depending on their understanding of Christianity and the gospel. And this is the idea that as long as I'm a good person, shouldn't that be enough for me to be in heaven or uh, to be okay after death or whatever, however you um, uh, various people want to, to word that. Now, this is I know for many Christians, uh, a very easy one for us to scoff at and slap down, um, depending on how uh, what our church experiences has been. But I want us to kind of pause for a second before we just uh, launch into our typical um, arguments uh, as to why this isn't the case, as to why God doesn't allow 
good people into heaven and why being good isn't enough to get into heaven. Because if we think about it, this is a very natural assumption. This is something that is easy for people to latch onto. It's easy for people to fall into this notion that, well, as long as I'm good, as long as I don't do a lot of bad things, as long as I don't hurt other people, as long as I'm a good, moral, upstanding person, then why shouldn't God allow me into heaven? In fact, we look around and we say, well, good people throughout life deserve good things. If you do good things, you deserve good things. And we see this in numerous areas of our life. We see that when you do good schoolwork, as children, we grew up learning that you work hard, you, you do your homework, you study well. When you do good schoolwork, you get good grades, you move into the next grade, you continue to move in your academic pursuits. Whereas we would look around and see other uh, kids who they don't do well. They act up in class. They don't do what's expected of them. And because they don't do what is right and what is good, then negative things come into their life. And so even from a very early age, we see this idea of good people get good um, good results in their life. We see this uh, in athletics. If you do good in your tryouts, then you get on the team. If you do good in an athletic game, then oftentimes your team gets a score. Or if the whole team does well, then the team wins. We see this in work where good employees who work hard, who show up and are respectful to their boss and respectful to their um, to their customers, uh, they get paid well. They get bonuses, they get promotions and things of that nature. And so it's natural when we look around at the world, we see good work, uh, good things, good actions lead to good results. And this builds in this assumption that if I do good, then I should expect good uh, in eternity. And in many ways, this is even taught in churches as well. Good deeds equal greater blessings. That if I'm good, if I do what I'm supposed to do, then God will bless me more than those who don't do what they're supposed to do. If I read my Bible, if I pray, if I share my faith, if I do all those things, if I tithe, uh, then I can expect God to bring goodness into my life. And so through and through, there's this assumption of good deeds equal greater blessings. After all, when we think about God, if God is good, and God lives in a good place, which is heaven. So God is good. He lives in a place that is good. It makes sense that he would only fill that place uh, and allow um, people into that place who are themselves good. This all seems to make sense. It's a natural assumption. And here's the interesting part. When we fall into this idea of uh, those who are good um, are can expect good things in their life and good people go to heaven, uh, We, if we live by that assumption, we always tend to make the cut. We always think of ourselves as good people. I've never met a single individual who's articulated this argument of, well, as long as I'm good, I'll get to heaven. I've never heard anyone say that and then say, but I'm not very good, therefore I'm not going to make it into heaven. Most people assume that they are good enough to get into heaven and that most of their loved ones are probably good enough to get into heaven. I saw a recent study that said that 90% of people believe in heaven. And then the interesting part of the study, the, the, the part that really makes it intriguing is that, you know, of the same people who were polled, the 90% who believe in heaven, 30% believe in hell. So everyone wants to assume and believe that there's a good place once we die and that um, most of us, as long as we're good, We'll get there. Now, here's a couple problems. Let me just kind of 
not in a mean way, but let me just poke uh, some holes in this understanding and, and just kind of pose some questions to you if, if this is something that uh, you've thought or if you know of someone who kind of functions with this type of mindset. The first thing that we need to ask ourselves is, what is good? I, I, I don't want to get all philosophical, but truly think about that for a second. If we believe that only good people go to heaven, well, by what standard are we measuring that good? Because if you look around just in our community, let's not even go all around the world uh, with different cultures and different religions and, and different moralities that, that people tend to um, value this type of behavior and, and, and uh, shun this other type of behavior. But just in America, just in our local communities, you could poll 10 different people and get 10 different uh, answers as to, is this good? Is this not good? What should a person do? What should a person not do? We all have different standards of what good is, what's the right thing to do, what's the right thing to say, what are the bad things that we should avoid, and all of us have different ideas of what a good person looks like. A good person in the South looks very different from a good person in the North, or a good person from uh, one type of family looks very different from a good person in another type of family. And it, it, you could just go on and on, and that's just in our local community, not to mention everything, all the different cultures and all the different standards all around the world. So there's one question, what is good? Another question that we need to ask ourselves is, I think most people would acknowledge, at least most people that I've spoken with, acknowledge that no one is perfect. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But people still go with this idea, well, even though I'm not perfect, I'm still good. And even though, I, yes, I've done bad things, as long as my good things outweigh my bad things, then I should still be able to be in heaven. But here's the question we need to ask ourselves. How good is good enough? How, what, what ratio? And I know this kind of sounds a little silly, but, but if we're talking about our eternal destiny, if we're talking about eternity in hell versus eternity in heaven and, and all that entails, we need to be very careful uh, and, and, and we need to really think through how, how we avoid hell and how we can uh, live in heaven. So we have to go back to this idea of what, uh, what level of goodness do we need to aspire to? If God is operating on mercy, and if he's measuring my good deeds based on mercy, let's say he only expects us to have 10% good deeds versus 90% bad deeds. Well, okay, well, what if I'm at uh, 9.5% good deeds? What if there's just one or two good things that I, I fail to do, and because of that, I'm at 9% good deeds, but I didn't meet the 10% threshold. And so even though I was, I was somewhat good, I almost met it, I didn't. And so then I end up going to hell. Or, or what if God measures based on his holiness and, and it, it, you have to have 90% good deeds and only he'll, he'll allow 10% uh, sinful deeds? Well, that, that's a very high standard. And I don't know if many of us would actually meet that. And then you have to factor in, well, what if we run out of time? What if, uh, you know, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to outweigh my bad deeds, but I just didn't meet the quota uh, by the time that I end up dying. I mean, all these things kind of begin to factor in there. And so it's a very stressful worldview if we are operating and we really think through the, the implications of it. If we're operating under this idea that only good people, as long as I'm good enough, I can get into heaven. We've got to think through all the implications of that worldview. Now, I'm going to suggest a different worldview. And I believe this is the worldview that scripture teaches. And, and I think this will, it's, it's much more 
cohesive when you look at uh, what Scripture teaches and who God lets into heaven. I think it brings much more peace into your life, and I think it makes much more sense when we really think through all the implications of it. So let's dive into that. And what I want us to do is I want us to just look at the life and teachings of Jesus, um, because First of all, Jesus is the core. He's the foundation of all Christianity. And so if we want to know what Christianity teaches on this particular issue, there's no better place to look than to Jesus. And most people in the world today believe that Jesus was, maybe he wasn't the son of God, but most people will at least believe that he was a good person, that he was a good teacher. Even most world religions uh, think that he was a prophet, that he was a good person, that he spoke truth. And so let's look at what Jesus said about who would go to heaven and who wouldn't go to heaven. Now, the first thing that may surprise you about what Jesus taught is that Jesus taught that good people don't go to heaven. Let me say that again, because this is really kind of counterintuitive to most people, even many Christians. Jesus taught that good people don't go to heaven. So I want us to take a look at some of this. When Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous sermons that have ever ever been taught, uh, we see in Matthew 5, uh, verse 20, Jesus says this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, pause there for a moment. I, I want us to just kind of really grapple with this for just a second. What Jesus is essentially saying is he pointed to the most religious, the most um, obedient people to the Old Testament law of God. And again, that's all the scripture they had. They didn't have the New Testament yet. So they these were people who dedicated their life. They were full-time Bible obeyers. They were full-time reading seeking out, trying to understand uh, God's word, and then flesh that out and live that out in their day-to-day -day life. When you would think in that day and time, when you would think of people who were godly, people who were obedient, people who were close to God, you would think of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Kind of like today, if you were to think about the most godly people uh, in the world, a lot of times people would say pastors, a lot of times people would say evangelists, or people who run uh, charitable organizations and things like that. That's kind of who Jesus would be pointing at. And, and Jesus pointed at the Pharisees and said, if you want to get to heaven, you have, your righteousness, your good deeds have to be better than the best people in your culture, the best people, the most uh, spiritual, the most religious people of your day. Now, here's the thing with the Pharisees. And most, most people who grew up in church or have been exposed to Christianity, you, you've heard this before, but the Pharisees, they did amazing good work. They, they looked after the poor and the needy. They read scripture. They prayed constantly. They were constantly doing uh, things that God asked them to. They had amazing works, outward obedience, but in their heart, uh, they, they weren't really uh, in love with God. They weren't really motivated by godly intent. They were just focused on what they did. They kept the law, but they didn't really um, obey the heart of the law. And in fact, they were so committed to obeying the law that they, they added other laws around that law to make sure that they didn't break that law. But, but Jesus looked at them and said, it's got to be more than that. You got to do more uh, than that. And that's, that's really amazing. Now, think about that for a second. If that's the case, I don't think many of us, I know I don't, rise to that level. Because here's the thing. We can't do that type of, of good deed. We, we can't rise 
to that standard. That means that you avoid doing, saying, and thinking the wrong things, and you do it with the, the right motives or the right heart. That's what Jesus is saying. And you not only are you avoiding uh, doing the wrong things, saying the wrong things, thinking the wrong things, but you are also doing, saying, and thinking the right things with the right heart, with the right motive. Now, again, I don't measure up to that. And I don't think many of us measure up to that. But here's a little spoiler alert. Christianity says that Jesus did that, that Jesus never sinned, that Jesus always did the right thing and always avoided the wrong things, and he did it with the right intent or with the right motive. And here's the thing. Christianity says that that obedience that Jesus did is now applied to those who trust in Jesus. It's applied to us. It's as though when God sees me, he doesn't see my works and my failures. He sees Christ's righteousness, Christ's good works, and what Christ did. Now, I know that sounds a little unfair, but hold on a second. We'll get into that a little bit deeper in just a second. Now, the next thing I want us to see is that not only does Jesus point to the most religious and, and um, seemingly righteous and godly people of his life and say, you got to surpass that, but that he then ratchets, uh, ratchets up the standard to an impossible level. He takes a standard that's already difficult, the standard of the Old Testament law and the obedience of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, and then he, he bumps it up to an impossible level. Notice what he says in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. He says in uh, uh, Matthew 5, verse 21, he says, You have heard it said uh, to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders shall be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother will be subject to judgment. So here Jesus says, you've heard it said, you know, just don't kill anyone. As long as you don't kill anyone, you're okay. But I want to bump that up a little bit more. I want to, I want to uh, elevate this standard to a higher level and say, even if you're angry, with a brother, you'll be subject to judgment. Now, um, as someone who had three older brothers, I'm letting you know right now, I was angry with them quite a bit. I'm sure they were angry with me at times as well. And so that's not a standard that I would meet. And I would imagine many of you would not meet as well. There are plenty of people that we tend to get angry with. And so I want you to notice this next little standard that Jesus, again, ratchets up to an impossible level. He says in uh, verse 27, he says, You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so here, again, most guys, I don't think we're going to make it to heaven based on the standard. If it's up to us, Jesus is saying it's not enough that you just don't cheat on your wife. You can't even look at another woman lustfully in your heart or else you've already committed adultery. This is an impossible standard that Jesus is teaching here. So this tells us through and through by the, by the teachings of Jesus that good people don't go to heaven. They're mainly because there are no good people, at least by this standard. So then that leaves us with the question, so who does go to heaven? Now again, this goes a little counterintuitive, but Jesus teaches that good people don't go to heaven and that bad people do go to heaven. So let that sink in for a little bit. Good people, they don't get to go to heaven, namely because there are no good people. And bad people do get to go to heaven. Now I want you to look at a particular passage of scripture that you've probably uh, been taught or you're, you're somewhat familiar with. When Jesus uh, was uh, led away to his execution to be hung on a cross, he was hung there between two thieves. 
And it tells us in Luke chapter 23, it says this, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, talking about Jesus, and said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, you are punished justly. For we are getting, notice what he says here, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's what Jesus says to this person who had done all kinds of bad deeds. And, and if anyone didn't deserve heaven, it was this guy. But notice what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. So here we see this individual who's not a good man. By, the, by his own standards, he admits that he's not good man. He says, we deserve what's happening to us. By the standards of his community, of the world, we would look at him and say, that individual does not deserve uh, uh, to go to heaven. But Jesus looked at him and said, you'll be with me in paradise. So what does this mean? This means that Christianity is all about grace. In Romans 8, verses 3 through 4, it says this, For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. And so here we see that Paul is looking back on his own life, and he did a lot of horrible things as well before he became a Christian. He's looking back at his own life, and he's saying, You know what? The law is powerless to save anyone. The law, and you can, in Paul's um, writing, he would be pointing back to the Old Testament law, but this can also apply to our own standard of what's right and wrong, which we don't abide by either. The law, whatever it is, right and wrong, is powerless to save us. It's only by God sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and to then pour out his righteousness into our life that we are saved. Now, there's a couple things that we need uh, to be very um, aware of, and that is this is absolutely 100% unfair. It is not fair for, uh, for Christ, who was completely perfect and did no wrong, to be punished for people who did rebel and did do uh, sinful acts. And then for those who have done sinful acts, those who rebelled against God, for them to be blessed for them to, to be then re rewarded, brought into heaven and brought into the family of God. This is unfair in every fathomable way. But just because it's unfair does not make it untrue. Just because this is unfair, I know some people would look at this and say, well, Christianity is not fair. It, it punishes an innocent party and then uh, forgives or, or rewards those who are sinful. You're right. It is unfair, but that does not make it untrue. There are all kinds of things in life that are unfair, but also true at the same time. This is unfair, but it's grace. Uh, good people, um, they being good is not enough for you to get into heaven. You will never reach that standard. What you have to do is trust in the forgiveness of God. And that's what it's really all about. It's not about forgiveness. I'm sorry, it's not about fairness. It's about forgiveness. It's about God looking at you in your sin and in your brokenness and deciding, I'm going to take that punishment and I'm going to forgive them. That is what Christianity is all about. And the more we think about, you know, um, trying to be good enough, the more... 
whether it be in the church or outside the church, the more we're getting our eyes off what Christianity really is all about and what the gospel is all about. And so I hope that as we kind of flesh through this and as we uh, un unpack what it really means uh, about uh, heaven and who goes there and who doesn't go there. I hope this brings some clarity to you. I hope this answers some of those questions that you've been wrestling with. And I hope you dig deeper into what Christianity is all about, what the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is all about. We're going to finish up our series there. We're going to just kind of wrap everything up there. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Uh, next week, we're going to be starting a new series where we look at Christians in culture. We're going to be looking at things like uh, how to uh, discern um, movies and TV shows and the things that um, the media is putting out there. We're going to look at music. We're going to look at social media. We're going to look at all those things and how uh, Christians who are trying to honor God and live biblically, how we can navigate those waters and, and approach those in a, in a way that's God honoring. So I hope you'll join us next week as we launch into that new series. But until then, take care and God bless.